Welcome to Left on Red, the Daily Mountain Eagles political podcast. I'm Jennifer Kwan. And I'm Drew Gilbert. And we are here to break down the news events of the past week. That's it. But first, we have some breaking news. Uh-oh. Came in just today, uh, 11.35 a.m., uh, telling us it's a poll that says Tommy Tupperville was up 14 points in the Alabama Senate race. Uh, that could be right. I mean, you have to assume, what, Trump, Trump won the state by... 20 points or better, mm-hmm. didn't he? Mm-hmm. So 14 cents. Are, I, don't, I don't think it that's the wrong It says he's leading with Jones 55. Um, shows Tupper for leading Jones 55% to 41% with 4% of voters still undecided. They're still out there, and they're still doing polls. Those somebody, undecided. Somebody tweeted at me the other day they were undecided. undecided. They, they listened to the podcast. Good for them. They tweeted at me. Uh, basically, they're just really disappointed, and they're undecided, And uh, to which I responded. Uh, Welcome group, to America? No, no, the undecided, you're a small group, but the disappointed, you're in a massive group. There yeah. are a lot of us. Right. So <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, goodness gracious. Um, I believe uh, I believe Tuberville could, could easily win by, by 14, mm-hmm. 15. Yeah, that, that, that doesn't but surprise Doug me. Doug Jones isn't going down without a fight. I continue to receive his uh, mail-outs encouraging mm-hmm. me to vote mm-hmm. absentee. One also involved uh, the USS Alabama. Did you get that one? I didn't get. I'm not. He's battle tested. He's battle tested and had the USS Alabama on it. They have finally figured out that I throw them in the garbage, and they've just quit sending them mm-hmm. to me. I have not been getting yes. inundated with political I got mail outs. One a day, every day last week. I'm not. This is kidding great. You. How um, am I doing this? I don't know. I'm the luckiest man in Walker Share County. Share your secret. I know, because um, then all of y'all will take it away from me, and they'll mm-hmm. figure me out, and they'll give me. So. Uh, Beyond that, the thing that I found most interesting is they also polled how people feel about five major uh, political figures, presuming, I guess, that one of these individuals will replace Madame Ivy in the future. Um, Our lieutenant governor, Will Ainsworth, uh, his name ID was 33%. So 33% of the people in this poll knew who he was, and he had a favorability of uh, 10. Uh, Kay Ivey's, by the way, her identification is, of course, 89%. Of course, yeah. Which leads you to believe the other <laughs> eleven. Eleven. <laughs> Where did they live? They still think Bob Riley's in there. Um, they, they haven't been paying attention. Bingo, Bob. And um, her favorability is is plus twenty nine. Um, and then Roy Moore, our friend Roy Moore, yeah. has the same favorability rating, twenty nine. His just has oh. a negative sign in front of it. Oh, okay. That's about exact to say. same favorability right. rating is well done, lady. Because I was like, no, he does not. Yeah. You liar. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, Kate. Honestly, when you, I mean, especially when you're grading on a scale, grading on a curve right now as it relates to the pandemic and communication mm-hmm. and how we're handling things, she is. Uh, she's performing. Mm-hmm. I mean, she really is. Because you look at the. Um, Gretchen Whitmer, we talked about her last mm-hmm. week, and like the overreach, ga- the gabillion orders that she's mm-hmm. done, and then you look at you know Mississippi and states like that, they're like, oh, just you know, just go kiss each other in the face and mm-hmm. don't worry about it. And then she's like in this like little happy medium, like, mm-hmm. hey, look, it's a it's a thing. Uh, this is middle school science. Well, there's Papa one person who's been kind of critical of Miss Ivy. Segway alert. Yeah, go. Mr. Ainsworth. Yeah, but you know where where I saw right through him pretty early was um, when COVID started. He was really hard on the shutter down side and mm-hmm. put mask on, and then as soon as Madam Ivy reached there, he just flipped to the other side. Um, and so I figured out very quickly he's trying to invent a faction on the opposite side of Kay Ivey to run for governor. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Kay Ivey's going to have somebody in her lane run for governor. Mm-hmm. He wants to be the other lane because he's figured out he can't be that lane. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, you know, and so, then and then we Alabama. He was in the news this week. I'm sure you know why. He got COVID. He got the yeah. COVID. I haven't seen. Um, I don't think he had like any real health scares related. I haven't seen that. But no. Uh, in fact, he is using his time to troll uh, people. So let's talk about that for a second. So Lieutenant Governor, he is uh, 39. Yeah. Uh, could be 40 now. I think I was looking at an article that was maybe written last year. 39. So that hairline. 30, that hairline's about 60. 39 ish. Uh, so he announced last, I believe, Tuesday or Wednesday that he got COVID from some somebody in his Sunday school class had gotten it. He yeah. got tested. Uh, his wife has been tested and had tested positive. Uh, their children have not. Uh, okay. Had, or they have been tested and, and they do not have it. I believe also his staff is in the clear. So um, one of the first things he does is take a picture of himself working on their farm and saying, uh, basically, in spite of... Uh, you know, the liberal trolls who wish me dead, 
I'm feeling great catching up on some chores out here at the farm during quarantine. And then a couple of days later, he gave an update on the fam and once again posted photos of himself out on the farm. So uh, he's been very uh, upfront about showing that he is not feeling the effects of the COVID. But doesn't uh, that seem a bit immature from a leader of your state? Because I'm I'm genuinely happy that you're okay and asymptomatic. Sure. I'm also genuinely happy that you are choosing to quarantine on your farm and do your chores. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are other people that are suffering and or dying or having hospital stays. Mm-hmm. And I mean, isn't it kind of like off base to, to downplay it out loud like that? I don't know. As a leader. Right. You know, as a random person on Facebook, right. maybe we don't hold you to the same standard, but... Come on, guys. Well, speaking of immature, also the Democrats use this as a t- attempt to fundraise, apparently, according to Yellowhammer. They sent out an email uh, stating that, you know, he was against masks. Uh, he's come out. Uh, here's the thing. We should back up. He is against the mandatory mask order. Mm-hmm. He is not against masks. He says mm-hmm. that he uses them himself mm-hmm. um, in his interactions with staff and going to church and whatnot. He's against the mask order as an overreach for businesses. He thinks it should be voluntary, not mandatory. Mm-hmm. So he's not against masks. But the uh, Democratic PAC sent out an email saying, you know, he's against masks and science and just as all of Republicans and, yep. you know, give yeah, us money. Gonna lump give you. us money kind yeah, of Yeah, we're going to lump you. Um, so yes, that is that is the uh, narrative of of Mr. Ainsworth. He was quick when uh, Governor Ivey was slow. There wasn't a lot going on. Yep. There was a memo that he sent out yep. that basically said we're going to be swamped in the hospitals and we don't yep. have the personal protective equipment and we really need to get you know get a plan going. Uh, Miss Ivy kind of clapped back at him and said, you know, he's serving on this task force that he's now <laughs> sending memos to. And I noticed that he doesn't give any solutions. He just pointed out the problem, but he didn't say we should do this. Yeah. He didn't give her like any advice about what he would like this plan to look for. Right. So she got a little pissy about that. Well, then and she then, came out with a plan. Right. And then she came out with a plan. And then later on, she came out with a mandatory mask order. And then he flipped teams. He's on the resistance yeah. <laughs> fighting the mandatory mask order, <laughs> uh, which is apparently quite unusual. Um, there was an AL.com article I found to have a governor and a lieutenant governor issuing what at times yeah. is very contradictory yeah. messages. Uh, it's it's not typically done. Usually you try to be on the yeah. same page. But yeah. as you said, Miss Ivy, uh, her days as governor, I mean, I don't know. She might run again, but maybe uh, not. Someone's certainly going to be her successor in the near future, let's That's just right. say. And I'm sure that she, and he she intends wants someone to be from, her, from her group, and he's trying to be the other. And as aforementioned, only 33% of the people in this particular poll knows his name, so he's got a bit of a work to do. He's got a bit of work to do to yeah. take over. Uh, so moving on, something else happened last week. Um, what happened? AOC yeah. jumped on Twitch. Did you hear about this? Yeah, tell me more. I'm, I'm, I'm adjacent to it, but not. Do you know what Twitch involved. is? Should we start I'm with Twitch? Familiar with Twitch. So yeah. video game, I'm, live streaming, stuff like that. Let me say I don't understand it. Um, I've actually gotten to where so I, I, I play Warzone, which is probably the most popular game in America right now. There's just a ridiculous amount of people on there, and so you can watch people that are really good at it play, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then learn how to be not as bad at it as yes. I am. So I'm cool with that. But for some reason. I, you know, the, in, on Twitch, there's a there's a camera on the player, like mm-hmm. on their face, and you're you're literally just watching their face while they play, right. and then the other split screen is their screen. I don't really care to see them. Mm-hmm. I want to see their screen. Right. I don't care what you look like or your facial expressions or anything. So it's a it's something that I have a hard time completely comprehending mm-hmm. how it's set up. I certainly understand the value of as a gamer that's not great learning from ones that are a lot better mm-hmm. than me. Well, in my house, there is a lot, whether it's Pokemon Go or whatever the yeah. game may be. They're yeah. not necessarily on Twitch, YouTube videos, right. but this is the thing. Well, for a lot those of the YouTube videos know, came off of Twitch. Right. Yeah. So this is a thing of watching other people play mm-hmm. video games, mm-hmm. um, which sounds a little bit ridiculous, but as yeah. someone else has said, do you watch people buy houses? Yeah, all the time. Do you watch people watch them remodel their cook house, Thanksgiving frankly. meals? Yeah. Then you, watch it you all. do it too in some yeah. sense. So uh, she 
did a Twitch live stream playing this game called Among Us, which apparently has been out a couple of years, but it's become quite popular with the kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, my son tells me that all his friends are now playing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and she just said, hey. She, she's smart. She's going for that 10-year-old uh-huh. vote. Right. Well, <laughs> so voter she turnout. Knows, she she specifically said <laughs> this was going to be for voter turnout. So she did a little PSA at the beginning. Hey, get out and vote. Go to IWillVote.org or yeah. whatever the website yeah. is and that kind of a thing. And then she spent three hours playing this video game with uh, one of her fellow squad members, uh, Ilan Omar, joined mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And then three very Were they popular... any good at the game? They, she was apparently quite good okay. from what I've read. Now, okay. we watched a little bit of it, not live, but later when I told Zach about it, he cut it on, which led to a really interesting moment in my house. So we're sitting here, we're watching it. It actually is somewhat entertaining to watch people play video games. I mean, I do it. Most days, I watch Zach and White play video games. It's really not that different. But at some point, we're just watching, and Zach uh, thinks to tell him. So, you know, this person is um, a representative in Congress. And, of course, White's like, okay. But the whole idea that we're sitting there, you know, in our living room, watching a member of Congress play video games was a little... That's a different... It's a 2020 we're, moment. We're turning a curve it couldn't here. have it couldn't have happened. Yeah. Now again, it was for voter turnout. She encouraged it at the beginning. If you are able to vote, we are here. Iwillvote.com. Um, make sure that you make your voting plan. And if you can't vote, if you're under the age of 18, if you this, that, and the other, um, if you're if you don't live in the United States or any other reason for not uh, being able to vote, make sure you talk to someone that can vote and try to get them, direct them to IWillVote.com and make sure that they get their voting plan in place. A lot of people watched this or participated in Mm -hmm. this and were very excited by being able to tell somebody, you know, they were on the live stream with her. And I think she cracked... um, uh, in the top 10 for individual live streams, she who had never done this before, she cracked the top 10 uh, for individual live streams. Mm-hmm. And at the height, there was over 400,000 people watching this live stream, like in real time. And then over time, the views went up to over like 4 million, you know, once the thing is over, because you can still watch right. it. Right, yeah. So, um, and she also I, broke ground on Animal Crossing. So Animal Crossing yeah, became a thing. Yeah. She got on Animal Crossing. So she really has gotten a lot of attention, um, a lot of headlines from gamers well, and all sorts of people about being proactive, about being genuine on the platform. You know, she didn't, uh, she wasn't there giving a, a speech. She yep. was, at one point, she was supposed to be a... Uh, so the imposter, that's kind of what the game is about. Yeah, you have to yeah, find the imposter. Uh-huh. At one point, she was the imposter, and she got away with it for a pretty long time. So she was fairly she was fairly good, good fairly good at it. But she's gotten praise for being genuine and also connecting to young voters, which is something that you hear a lot about, mm-hmm. but no one really can figure out well, where to find them. Connecting to young, Turns not out, yet voters. Yeah. she figured out that yeah. some young voters yeah, play video games. games. Yeah. Because that's the thing that what, happens what in this culture. Yeah, It took a long I'll tell time. You, I tell you, I think we're going to see more of it. And you touched on two things. You're going to see two two things come out of this. Um, one is you're going to see just genuinely the millennial generation growing up into politics. And we grew up playing video games. And you're going to see more of it. Uh, for me, it's a great disconnect from reality. Mm-hmm. Um, you're kind of just in public service, even on the small scale that I'm on, you're just inundated nonstop with just the truth. You know, just mm-hmm. the real life, the real world just beating the crap out of you. Getting to play a video game for a little while and forgetting all about all that is mm-hmm. really nice. Uh, Kevin Spacey's character on House of Cards, which <clears throat> you're not allowed to watch now because Kevin Spacey turned out to be a creep. Yeah. Uh, but before I knew he was a creep and I got to watch it, it was a fantastic show, very well put together. But, you know, he ended up serving as president in that show. Mm-hmm. Well, he plays video games to unwind. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there, there's something to that. So and I gonna, believe his wife doesn't like it, right? No, no yes. she's not. Yes. But you're going to see more. I think more, I got that far. You're going to see more of um, genuinely playing and enjoying themselves. And then also the ones that are just going to try to use it to pretend like they're a part of your culture and get votes. Nice segue. Guess who else is on Animal Crossing? Talk to me. Joe Biden. It's when I said pretend to like video yeah. games. <laughs> so late, mid, mid-October, um, 
you can visit other people's islands on this game called Animal Crossing. Yep. Mm-hmm. So let me set up Animal Crossing. Uh, don't don't play it, but I'm familiar. Yes. Mm-hmm. So it's really there's a lot of little animals. It was big when the quarantine first began because they just so happened to release release the new version of it uh, right around that time, and it just blew up a lot of people. You know, you just you buy you build little houses and you put things in museums and it's just a very relaxing type thing Mm -hmm. it's not at all violent it's good for all age groups okay well so you have your own little island you can also visit other people's island so joe biden's team made him an island so you can with this special access code you can go visit joe's Joe's island Island. yeah Joe has a little avatar i know because i made zach go to the island as soon as i found out of course so Joe's little avatar there. He's wearing the sunglasses. Of course. You walk up to him and interact like you're supposed to do. And he says, malarkey. (laughs) I don't think he says anything else. I think that's his only response. But there's like a campaign headquarters you can go inside. And there's model trains. And there's like (sighs) office, you know, where the kids have just wrapped up doing whatever they were doing for the day for Joe. There's like ice cream little stands everywhere because Joe loves ice cream. Uh, There's a garden where... Uh, like it's an American flag. The the flowers are laid out kind of like an American flag. You can just walk around Joe's Island. There's little voting booths. So it's it's a whole experience. Um, if you text a certain number, you can get access to like a little T-shirt. So your character can wear okay. like a, a Biden-Harris T-shirt. Well. So it's a whole thing. So I would take bets that Joe Biden has never visited Joe Biden's Island on Animal Crossing. I'm pretty confident in that. Nor picked up a Nintendo Switch controller. Pretty confident on everything you just said. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But there he is. There's well, Joe. You made me uh, uh you made me feel really smart as I said mm-hmm. people are going to start to gravitate mm-hmm. to this to uh, just get Also votes. on Twitch, not for video games. Uh but Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump are both on, uh, also on tr- Twitch apparently. Both of them are on Twitch. Has Donald Trump ever actually been on Twitch? <laughs> I think they use it to live stream his rallies. And okay. I think Bernie okay. uses it to stream some <laughs> to, sort of to shout socialist about the propaganda. I don't know. No, he, um, sh- <laughs> he shouts about the oligarchy. I don't know. Social justice <laughs> issues. I don't know. But they each have Dead they each burning. have Twitch accounts and I don't think they're very heavily populated with viewers regularly but well here's what i know bernie said on there the same dead gum thing he said for 40 years because mm-hmm. uh you gotta have some respect wow. for that dude hadn't changed his mind like the wow. rest of them mm-hmm. <laughs> so uh video uh, games infiltrating the uh the culture that's that's a thing that happened this week and i agree with you i think it's something that uh, as the politicians yeah. continue to age up into these roles, yeah, yeah. you're going to find people doing things that are normal to them, but are going to seem really odd for a politician to be mm-hmm. doing. Well, but you're not really trying to attract, and this is going to sound awful, the voting base that's dying off. You're trying mm-hmm. to attract the ones getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, right. the younger kids that are mm-hmm. coming in. So. Yep. So you ready to discuss our Mitch uh, rewatch that we teased last episode? I'm ready for it, and I hope the rest of you did your homework. So I've Mitch seen it. So what were you, what were your thoughts? Because this was a so, new experience. So well, let, let's uh, let's rewind a little bit to to kind of Drew and the the Mitch election. So the first uh, the first presidential election I got to vote in was the 2008 presidential election. Um, I kind of just missed the 04 one. Mm-hmm. Because I think I, I got to vote in that one. Yeah, I turned 18 right after that. Uh, mm-hmm. Right after the election, literally. Two months after the election, I turned 18, so I didn't get to vote in that one. And so my first presidential election um, was 08. So I had gotten to see in 2004, I was pretty politically engaged even in high school, I got to see Barack Obama's speech at the Democratic National Mm -hmm. Convention, which is when John Kerry was accepting the nomination and running against George Bush. And it stands today as one of the greatest speeches I've ever seen. Now, even as we speak, there are those who are preparing to divide us, the spin masters, the negative ad peddlers who embrace the politics of anything goes. Well, I say to them tonight, there is not a liberal America and a conservative America. There is the United States of America. There is not a black America and a white America and Latino America and Asian America. There's the United States of America. The pundits The pundits like to slice and dice our country into red states and blue states, red states for Republicans, blue states for Democrats. But I've got news for them, too. We worship an awesome God in the blue states, and we don't like federal agents poking around in our libraries in the red states. 
We coach Little League in the blue states. And yes, we've got some gay friends in the red states. There are patriots who oppose the war in Iraq, and there are patriots who supported the war in Iraq. We are one people, all of us pledging allegiance to the Stars and Stripes, all of us defending the United States of America. It was fantastic. Mm -hmm. And at the time when Barack Obama delivered it, he was uh, still in the state Senate in Illinois running for the U.S. Senate. Mm -hmm. And I literally watched this speech, and I go home. I'm living in Florence at the time. I'm in college. I go home, and I tell my parents, I was like, I, I, I would just watch the speech, because this would have been like a, maybe a year and a half later when I actually watched the speech. Right. I said, I think this guy's going to be president one day. And my parents were like, really? And I said, yeah. And they were like, what is his name? And I said his name, and they laughed at me like, yeah, yeah I got him Barack An Obama. An experience that president. happened all over um, the country. But I, I wasn't trying to be like some kind of uh, a clairvoyant or something here. Like, it, I thought he would be a president one day. Mm -hmm. I didn't know he was going to run in the next cycle and mm -hmm. win. But I just, I, just watching him speak and his energy and what. Now, who else didn't know that? What? Hillary Clinton. <laughs> didn't. Yeah. Um, anyway, so starting from there, I, I actually knew Barack Obama before the nation kind of mm -hmm. knew Barack Obama. So I was following him, his campaign up with some excitement. Like there, I was like, this is this is intriguing to me. So then on the other side, um, I really felt like even at the time that the country was going to go Democrat, I mm -hmm. felt like you know we were the economy was just garbage. Yeah. We were in wars. We were just kind of tired of the uncertainty. And no precedent tells you that only. Well, I know in modern history, only the Reagan, Reagan, Bush years yeah, do you yeah. elect a party three so times. I in a felt row. like just playing the numbers, the Democratic nominee was going to win. Uh, but I was intrigued by the Republican um, side in, in 08. I've actually always had an affinity for John McCain. Um, and then I learned Mitt Romney in 08. I didn't really know much mm -hmm. about him. But I've always, uh, I've kind of always liked the guys in the middle, the moderates of their parties. And. Uh, so I learned to really like him, and obviously McCain went on to get the nomination. So I only learned a little bit about him in 08. And then in 12, when he ran, I really kind of dug deeper on him and learned about his tenure as the governor of Massachusetts and things like that. But watching this uh, this Netflix special, so, you know, I kind of lived it a little bit. I was, I was paying attention to these elections, learning more of, uh, like, his legitimate family dynamic. Mm -hmm. And to compare him, and this may not be fair, but to compare him to the current president and their family, I always feel like their family dynamic is like, that we get to see is the scripted one. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Like it's what, what we want you to right. see of our family dynamic. And I don't really know, are, are they sitting around a Thanksgiving table together? I doubt it. We don't know. You know, like it like. doesn't feel like it, mm -hmm. but with the Romneys, it's like a legit, like mm -hmm. this is like a tight circle. Um, and just watching them, ha watching him specifically have genuine unfiltered conversations with his family. Like, Hey, what, what do you put in a concession speech? What do I say? You know, like, mm -hmm. I don't just want to like give up on what we did here, but I also don't want to bash the president. You right. know, like I want to find this middle ground and watching him in those moments was just like, man, you know, I kind of liked you before I watched it. I like you more now that mm -hmm. I watched this. This is, this is really, this is good stuff. Um, Even the fact that, so he gets in the, the documentary follows mostly his 2008 um, campaign. I yeah. think it was supposed to end there. And then yeah. when he ran again in 2012, they, they kind of fast-forwarded through the campaign stuff. But it's really interesting because you are introduced to him in the beginning. You know, he sits down at like an Arby's, mm -hmm. and the Nobody person next him. to him doesn't know who he is. And now the name Mitt Romney is very, you know, in the culture. But at the time... He could eat at an Arby's and no yeah. one know who he well, was. Well, and I think back to 08 for me, a, a politically engaged guy even then, um, I didn't know Mitt Romney. Mm -hmm. He could have ate next to me at Arby's and I right. wasn't on him. So, um, and so you follow him through, you know, his failed his failed run then yeah. and then, you know, mostly uh, towards the end of the, of the 2012. But getting into the th 2008, there's like an actual family conference that he sits down with like a legal pad like I have in front yeah. of me and yeah. they and he takes notes on why, why should why I do I this and why shouldn't I do yeah. this. And you hear so many presidential candidates say you should consider your family when you do these things, but no matter how much you consider them, you have no way of knowing how it's going to impact them. Right. The type of things that are going to be said about them, yeah. you know, written about them, the kind yeah. of encounters they're going to have with people. It's going to take a toll on the family that nobody's prepared for. But, you know, they knew that this this is going to be something that the family was going to have to be involved in. Mm -hmm. uh, you see them praying, you know, together mm -hmm. at different times. One mm -hmm. time, I believe, it's after he did really well on the, bait, uh, the debate. Another time, it's just kind of a general type situation. 
So um, uh, talking about the debate, specifically the first debate in 2012, and so this is when, um, kind of to put yourself in that moment, that Barack Obama's the sitting president. Barack Obama's a great orator. Mm-hmm. He, he will debate you much harder than any of the Republicans that you faced up to this point. And we're at a time in, in Mr. Obama's presidency when you're, you're starting to see results in economic recovery mm-hmm. and things like that and, and health care legislation, but you're not really seeing results. You know what I mean? Like, you just kind of tip the iceberg. Right. So the jury's still out, really, at that point. Even for supporters of his, it's kind of like, you know, what? how much more time do you need to mm-hmm. get old girl humming? Um, anyway, takes the debate stage um, against uh, a president that's engulfed in his policies and where he's headed and, and his roadmap, and he's a good speaker. And uh, he thumped him in that Wipes debate. The floor. They actually don't cover that well in the Mitt documentary. Mm-hmm. His family's like, you did good. You know, he mm-hmm. did okay. You did good, too. They kind of painted it that way. But history will tell you, and even Barack Obama himself out of his own mouth will mm-hmm. tell you, that dude lit me up in that debate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he murdered me. And Romney me. does say he shows himself to be a student, as you've heard Axelrod say on that podcast yeah. many times. History tells you that incumbent presidents always they generally lose one. that first yeah. debate because they're not used to it. Yep. Romney knew that kind of going in. He knew that he would be off his game. He yep. knew that he was going to be a little rusty yep. in his debating skills. Um, but even then, he didn't take like the victory walk. And that's why I think you're saying the family is the one who said – like, you did really good, you know, and, and watching the screen and saying, you know, people are well, having favorables, and he's very downplayed. Well, and he's analyzing where he missed. He's right. analyzing, well, this is he's what I wanted not, to do here, and I didn't he, really Right, he's not taking it. the victory yeah. lap of it's all yeah. about me, which is which is very telling because, mm-hmm. I mean, like you said, you just thumped the incumbent president yeah. in the first debate. It's a moment to be happy So about. I certainly, I would have some, some policy disagreements with, with a guy like Mitt Romney, but as far as, like, a genuine candidate is really telling you what's going on. I, I think he's real. I love the I moment. Really I loved it the first time I watched it, and I loved it on this rewatch, too. I think it's before the White House Correspondence Center, mm-hmm. and he's already in his tuxedo, yeah. and there's garbage everywhere. <laughs> he cleans like up. The, like wind blows yeah. something, he and so he's going up. around with the garbage can, and like he's throwing away this, you know, the stray paper and stuff that's out there on the balcony yep. at whatever hotel they're in staying at. And he's about to go you know, to the correspondence dinner um, in his tuxedo. He landed a pretty good one at the correspondence dinner as well. He was talking Mm -hmm. about the difficulties of a presidential campaign and, you know, you'll be wearing jeans and a a lumberjack shirt at one time and a suit here and rolling up your sleeves here. And, you know, you're always changing. He said, I'm really glad to be here with you guys tonight and finally be wearing what Ann and I wear around the house. Right. And it was like a tongue-in-cheek remark at him because he's how like, rich he is. he's this wealthy socialite, and we just we wear tuxedos right. around the house. And I was like, that's pretty solid, taking mm-hmm. a jab at yourself. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, I don't know who wrote it, but they did a good job. Right. Um, and so also his sons. I was really struck by his sons and that one moment with the son where, you know, they ask him, do you ever wonder if this is worth it? Yeah. And he starts to give the canned answer because he forgets that this is a documentary that's not going to be out until well after the election. He can actually tell the truth. And so in his honest moments, he says, basically, yes, that Mm -hmm. that I understand why good people, more good people don't do this because this is really hard and you take unnecessary beatings, you know, in the press sometimes and Yes, like it, it partially makes me really sad that someone who is as good a, die, a guy as my dad yeah. is is being you know treated this way through this process. And absolutely, I wonder sometimes yeah. if it's worth it. You have to be not just yourself though. You've got to get yourself mentally prepared to just get beat up. People are just going to talk mm-hmm. about you. Um, there, there are um, there are people that go out and do, and there are people that sit at home and talk about people that are doing and. Mm-hmm. If you're going out and doing, they're going to talk about mm-hmm. you. And it was uh, honestly, and again, on my small scale, it was a conversation I had with my family early on. I was like, hey, I'm going to run. People are going to say crap about me all the time. They're going to mm-hmm. post up on Facebook all the time. They're not going to really know, and they don't care to know. They don't care to be informed. Right, it's not going to matter. Don't engage. And uh, I can't imagine any higher office <laughs> dealing with that. It's a strain on your family because you're, I mean, think about my grandmother sitting at her house reading something mean about me mm-hmm. that she knows isn't true, and then she wants to, like, defend my honor, but mm-hmm. the best thing to do is not Grandma's going to take a switch after right? somebody. Yeah. yeah. The best thing to do is leave it alone because that person right. just wants to fight with you. Mm-hmm. And obviously my grandma's going to take my side, even mm-hmm. if I'm wrong. You know, so it just, it's such a strange But dynamic. it's a good documentary, um, not about his policies and all that kind of thing. It, it I think, is intended to humanize what this process looks like. Mm-hmm. So the endless and I grind. And a good job. Right. The yeah. endless grind and what it's like for you and the family. Um, 
And, you know, some of the things that happen in the campaign that are deeply personal that we may not realize are personal. So the John Kerry comment mm-hmm. about him having the, the elevator in his house or whatever. Mm-hmm. And they're talking about, um, you know, well, what are we supposed to say to that? And there's this silence that comes over that room. And they say, why don't you say it's for my wife, jackass, because she has... Um, uh, what is it that Ann Romney has? Um, I don't. It's what Jed Bartlett has on the West Wing. I know what you're um, talking about, but I'm not going to be able to help you. Yeah, well, she has a degenerative mm-hmm, illness, mm-hmm. shall we say, neurological. Um, so that's what it's for, you know, is to make life easier for her. That's why he has to lift in the house. So that remark by John Kerry, similar to one made by his wife. The Kerrys are really good about this. Um, you know, saying that Laura Bush had never had a real job. Mm-hmm. Laura Bush was a librarian and I believe a teacher mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. many, many years. Mm-hmm. And Teresa, so you just called Teresa Hines Carey is the one who, in fact, inherited her wealth and I don't believe just, has had a job. You so. just called a teacher and a librarian not a job. Right. Good work. So, uh, so, yeah, just those kind of moments and how they really play on a personal scale. Multiple sclerosis. Multiple sclerosis, yep. That's it. Mm-hmm. Um. Which they go into that a little bit. I thought they went into it more. I must have. I must have dug into that further after the documentary. You did because it wasn't in there. But really heavy. Um, yeah, so I think that happened. Possibly her diagnosis even between the first and second campaign. I'm not sure, um, but you know, I think she did talk in there about how she can't do too many days on the road and that mm-hmm. kind of a thing. So it's something that's very. I mean, it is. In the end, it will be fatal to her in some form. You know, it doesn't mean that that's going to happen, you know, a year from now or whatever. But Mm -hmm. in the end, you know, you're always going to have it. You're not going to be cured of it. You know, there will be relapses and remissions and that kind of a thing. So it's a very serious thing. Yeah. Um, And so seeing how that that worked in the campaign as well. And then the documentary ends, and I thought it it was really funny because multiple times it's mentioned, you know, like this is, you know, like, this is my moment, like, I have nothing else to say, you know, kind of like, we're on the way out, and then black screen, you know, they go home, and you're kind of left with a feeling of, yeah. oh, what a nice guy, too bad we're never going to hear from him again. Yeah, no, you'll hear, we'll hear from him. And then, well, here we are He's obviously He's obviously serving in the Senate now, and he, he can be an anti-Trumper at times in the Republican mm-hmm. Party, but he also sticks to the conservative Size of things. He's going to confirm right. the chief justice. Well, in 2016, so he made today. waves before he had been elected for coming out very harshly, calling Trump a fraud and all sorts of nasty names, you know, in a very publicized mm-hmm. speech, which was rare because he had been the nominee, you know, just four years before, and it was rare for someone to come out against the nominee to follow them. Um, he voted for Trump's impeachment. I think two of the three articles uh, mm-hmm. as members uh, in the Senate. Mm-hmm. Um, so several times he has um, been in the president's face about a lot of different things. So uh, yes, the he he has much like Bill Clinton. Uh, he does seem to have multiple lives, uh, multiple political yeah. lives. Just yeah. when you think. You know, I, I personally you're not going to hear from him again. Here he comes. I personally think you're going to see him in 2024. Mm-hmm. There on was some a, discussion, I believe, ticket. about wanting him back in 2016, and and they thought, no, it's never going to work. I think you're going to see him in 2024 because I mean, there's there's two versions of it. Um, let's say Mr. Trump loses this election. They're looking to recover on some non-Trumpian Republican ticket because mm-hmm. they they want to win. I mean, right. the party wants to win. You can say whatever you want to, but you you want to win. Mm-hmm. So I think they'll be looking for more of a moderate candidate, someone more towards the center, or Trump wins, and then there's a probably even there's even more fatigue mm-hmm. at the end of that term to the Trump brand, and again they're looking for the non the non Trump. So I think a guy like him could certainly be strong on a ticket in twenty twenty four. I really do. Uh, so he's kind of the the conscience is how he's kind of seeing himself. There was a, mm-hmm. a tweet that I shared on our Left on Red page a couple of weeks ago where he's just talking about the state of things and how we've got here, and he puts a lot more blame on a President Trump, let's say, than a Nancy Pelosi necessarily yep. as to, yep. you know, the degree to which we got here in our national discourse and things like that. So he's really trying to give that Republican Party a, a conscience that 
at least some Republicans feel it has been lacking for these last four years. They really don't have that John McCain mm-hmm. type, you know, or even the George H.W. Bush type idol to no, look to. They really kind don't. Of You've got him, and then it seems it seems to me like a uh, like Ben Sass is probably posturing to try to be that guy. Also, mm-hmm. he's kind of that moderate Republican who's even he even made a comment in the last few years about. He, he considered, like, every morning when he woke up leaving the Republican Party. It was a really mm-hmm. weird comment. I don't know why you would say it. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he loves to get an endorsement from Trump, but then also mm-hmm. fight Trump. He's he's a weird duck. He's really, really intelligent. Mm-hmm. He's just also a politician. Right. And it's that's just tough to watch. He has to figure out exactly yeah. which side his bread is buttered on. Yeah. He hasn't figured that out yet. Yeah. Um, so Mint is, is a good it's documentary. Good. I, I recommend um, watching it. Not even necessarily as a, a political documentary with a viewpoint, because I don't think it does have that viewpoint. No. It's really just about. It's about a man and his um, family doing, doing one of the toughest things in this country. I mean, honestly, it's, it's, a, it's a drain. Uh, so wrapping up, uh, continuing with the pop culture in a couple of weeks, we have a earth shattering event oh, in wow. the publishing world. Yeah. Barack Obama's. Yep. First volume of yep. what is expected to be a two-volume memoir mm-hmm. um, comes out. So uh, I've read both of his his books um, before his presidency. I guess those were one both out written before. well before he was a candidate. So at all, Dream, right? Dreams from My Father was before he was a candidate, Anything. really, and is a it's a really good read. It really talks about um, kind of his where he came from, his upbringing a little bit, but kind of like his overall view of where the country is and where we can go. I really enjoyed it. The Audacity of Hope was more of like I'm running for a campaign. I'm running for president. Here's my platform, mm-hmm. which I didn't enjoy as much. Um, the good thing is he's he's a really intelligent guy. He's a good orator as well. If you do audio books, um, he, he's not mm-hmm. bad to listen to. Um, I'm excited about this one from the standpoint of uh, his social media post specifically about it. It's kind of a post mortem on his presidency, and he's not just fluffing himself. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the book, he's going to talk about his failures. He's going to talk about wow. these are the things I wanted to do and I didn't do. These are the things I aimed at, and this is what I did, and this is the result that it caused. And I can't imagine our current president ever talking about himself in that manner. Mm-hmm. I can't imagine him ever, like a post mortem of his presidency, he's going to tell you everything was perfect mm-hmm. because it's his personality. Wow. Whether that be genuine or fake, that's that's his brand. And I'm more of a fan of you beat yourself up. Mm-hmm. Like when you got out of it, what'd you, what'd you suck at? Like what was bad? And uh, I'm hoping there's a lot mm-hmm. of that in here. I really am. So Yes. So a few specs on it. It comes in at 768 pages. Yeah. It is volume one of two. Mm-hmm. This one supposedly ends with the rise of uh, birtherism and Trump. Um, so he kind of ends right where everybody really wants him to, they really want to hear him speak on the issue. So he's, he's kind of going to end this first volume there. Um, so that seems like a lot to me. I dug into it to see, cause I knew Bill Clinton had a massive autobiography. I own it. Yeah. Clinton's autobiography is between 950 and 1,000 pages, depending on which depending on which volume you well, have. Well, so if you're talking about... Now, to his credit, he only wrote he one, one yeah. and Barack so, Obama's going to have two. So Barack looks like he's on pace for twelve or 1,300 mm-hmm. total of amongst two volumes. So. Yes. Um, and it comes out on November the 17th. It's called A Promised Land. Mm-hmm. Um, it's on my and, list. And uh, so Michelle's uh, autobiography came out a few years ago. Was very I finished well, Michelle's. I don't well know if I told received. you that. Um, I didn't, I neglected to bring my stats back this week, but, you know, a lot was made in the 2012 campaign about, you know, Mitt Romney and how rich he was Mm -hmm. and, you know, Obama was, you know, kind of the populist candidate and stuff like that. Um, as in all things, politics makes people really, really rich (laughs) and the Obamas are going to become by far the wealthiest oh, no post-presidential. Yeah, no doubt about it. Uh, so I believe for their memoirs, the publishing house paid them $65 million mm-hmm. for for their and they, they got memoirs. And uh, they got a Netflix content deal as well. And she um, has her multiple, Spotify multiple her Spotify podcast yeah. thing. But just, well, part, just to tell their story, they got $65 million well, from the publishing there, company. There's a few things at play there. One is it's the first African-American first family, mm-hmm. so there's there's something to that. There's There's a captive audience for that. There is timing of where we are in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, there is 
both of them are highly educated and intelligent and can tell you stories and produce and this content. And savvy about and what to do. And then the other is we're in an age where, like, especially the digital, like, Netflix wasn't really a thing when George Bush left mm-hmm. office. He couldn't get a Netflix deal because there wasn't really Netflix, mm-hmm. like, not the way it exists today. So there's a lot of timing there. I'm curious what we see on the back end of a, of a Trump presidency. Um, I don't know that you'll necessarily see the, the the giant book deal like this or the giant content deal, but certainly I could see him being a fixture on your your ultra conservative mm-hmm. news networks till he dies. Wow, like just like the most popular guy on there, and he would eat it up. It fits his brand. It's what wow. he loves to do, and just scream and shout at liberals all day. I mean, like kind that's, of like the anti Reagan, and maybe there's something yeah. to this. So yeah. you know, George Bush has been kind of on the down low since his presidency for the most Correct. part. Yeah. Reagan was, unfortunately, because of his illness. And mm-hmm. so very quickly after he left office, you know, he publicly disclosed his Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. And so part of why you get this warm glow feeling about Ronald Reagan is you didn't hear from him. You know, right. And he lived yeah. for another, what, 12, 14 mm-hmm. years or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's going to be interesting to have a president who, um, you know, Donald Trump, whether it's, you know, a year from now or four years from now, whenever mm-hmm. he's a former president, to see how does that change his brand? How does that change how he's perceived? Yeah. Um, does he just go back to being like the media mogul? Do you always think of him in terms of the former president? Like, how's that going to play? Really? I don't know. It's going to be unique. There's no doubt about that. Because mm-hmm. um, he's not going to sit quietly like George Bush did. Yes, no. Um, he already has all the money. The only thing that, that's going to quieten know, this guy is his grave. And even then, I'm not sure. He may have like holographs or something mm-hmm. like wired up for 20 years mm-hmm. after that to keep talking. Um, it's worth noting, though, that I did look up you know, kind of the, the net worth of presidents. Um, yeah. So because Donald Trump was our first billionaire president, you know, so that came out. Well, I'm going to put an asterisk next to that. Right. We've that never was, seen. That was before yeah. uh, before the Times reports and things. Prove, but, prove it. So that's why a few years ago he was getting, you know, the headlines as the first billionaire president. Mm-hmm. You know who's number two on the list in terms of net worth? So at their peak net worth, thinking of all history now. I got nothing. George Washington. <laughs> of course. Slaves. Slaves. He had a lot of free Slaves. labor. Yeah. Um, and no, that makes sense. The uh, the outlier on the list that I love to point out, uh, one of our poorest, uh, well, the poorest former president is Harry Truman. I was going to say Truman. So Why didn't you let me Security. Uh, well, not Social Security, but the pension, the presidential pension um, came about because of him. He basically left office and like was broke. like dirt poor and, you know, didn't know how to pay any of his bills. There was no money there. He didn't come from wealth. He didn't accrue wealth in the White House. And so, you know, he became the first uh, Medicaid uh, or Medicare recipient, I believe. The very first card was issued to Truman because of his situation. You didn't let me guess. I would have guessed Truman. The other one of our modern times who has a similar Truman story, Democratic President Jimmy Carter. Yeah. Do you know why Jimmy has all of his books? Because he also left the White House and his peanut farm was like massively in debt because of the person that had been running it for him. That's kind of on him, though. They had no money to live on. So, you know, they had their Secret Service protection and some of that stuff. He didn't come from inherited wealth either. Mm. He literally roped himself into a manageable kind of an income for them. But on the list of wealthy presidents, he's down there. Like there's Truman and a couple of more. And then there's Jimmy Carter. He is by far one of our least wealthy presidents. His net worth has never been anywhere close to, you know, a Bush's or anything like that. So interesting uh i bring that up though because of the election because again you got obama the hero of the populist and and then now he's wealthy he's fairly freaking wealthy people Mm -hmm. um well and he could tell the populist story because up to that point and if you uh in in michelle's book she covers it when mm -hmm. she visited him at harvard he was driving a little dotson around Mm -hmm. had a rusted out floor you could see Mm -hmm. the road beneath it and she neither came he didn't come from right she she neither came from from she came from a middle class family Uh, so they came from right they they did come from they vaulted themselves into the middle class in terms of their law degrees and Mm -hmm. stuff like that Mm -hmm. but then post political career right. they are going to be They'll massively be, wealthy because okay. that's how we reward people in this country <laughs> here <laughs> have money that's how capitalism <laughs> works um so next week we have an election yeah uh psa here encouraging people to vote please vote 
Hopefully you've already voted if you're choosing to do the absentee thing. Are you voting in person? Yeah. I'm yeah. voting in person. Well, and, and this is something, and we can talk about this in, on a later date, but uh, I've always talked about how easy it is for me to vote in Cordova. Mm-hmm. Um, I never really run into lines. Um, I was saying this earlier. This is a foreign concept. I go straight in. I space myself out. I see people at I most, know. At most, there's I like vote. three people in line ahead of you sometimes. And, and Cordova, actually, you know, you look back in recent, uh, when Sheriff Smith was elected, we're, we're, we turn out now. Mm-hmm. We, we show up. We will pack it up now but it's just it it's something that i have a hard time putting into my brain why do you have to live in rural america to have that luxury of mm-hmm. an easy place to vote you know how many people use that polling place Six thousand people right why do any polling places have more than six thousand people you know what i mean mm-hmm. like even in a big city won't you just have more more right. polling places i don't understand i or really like don't. texas where we where we dropped it down to one well, part one those weren't polling places those were where you drop off the absentee let's not, ballots right? let's not get into voter suppression <laughs> right now I'm, I'm afraid i may get off the rails a little bit uh what i would like to do before we wrap up is kind of because this is our last one before the election itself maybe talk about where we're polling as of today and kind of mm-hmm. where we're sitting and what it's shaping up to be um, so the USA Today does a really good job. Uh, they do an average average. So they actually get um, two groups that are already averaging polls, and then they average those average together. Those and so I'm like, well, that's pretty strong. So it's taking the most reputable polls mm-hmm. that they can. Uh, but just two hours ago when they did theirs, uh, we're looking at just kind of a national average. Uh, Mr. Biden's polling at 51.4, Mr. Trump at 42.9. So Biden's leading by 86 um, he's getting closer to the margin of error. Uh, he was leading in the double digits for most mm-hmm. of this. Uh, Mr. Trump's making some gains here at the end. Kind of blows my mind because I've seen him. I, I don't believe he's ahead in which state now? Is it Ohio? Ohio. Yeah, he's got a lead in Ohio. So kind of going, um, we can do the, the swing states, the ones that, that really matter. So Florida is one of the hottest ones. No Republican in, goodness, 60, 70, mm-hmm. 80 years has won the presidency without winning Florida. Biden's polling ahead by 1.9 pretty big deal even though that's within the margin mm-hmm. of error um trump won florida trump needs florida uh, and biden looks like he may win florida so that that's a big deal i don't think that, that mr trump can win re-election without florida no so i don't think that, anybody that does. one's a that one's a really big deal 1.9 still within the margin of error though um georgia is one where biden's pulling ahead by half a point and georgia's one i want to talk state? about a little bit that's georgia <laughs> That's Georgia. Georgia. So for all of you um, that haven't been paying attention for the last maybe two or three years, so Trump won Georgia. When's the last time they voted for a Democrat? Jimmy Carter. That's the one. Yeah, yeah. And it Why was is that? Guy. It was their guy. He's he was from, from Georgia. Georgia. Um, so Georgia's one that I think the polling's actually a little bit misleading. Uh, 0.5 is certainly within the margin of error. Um, I think Biden's going to run away with Georgia. And there's a few things at play for me. Uh, one is two years ago we have had a gubernatorial election that was razor thin, mm-hmm. razor thin, and you had a, kind of a Trumpian candidate um, in their current governor, Kemp, I believe, is that his name? Brian. And then yeah. he ran against uh, Stacey Abrams. Yep. Very close election. It was close enough to make people wonder if it was legit because Mr. Was Kemp was Secretary of State, State, right? Um, since that moment, Miss um, Abrams has committed herself to registering people to vote. And I think specifically she's focusing on younger people mm-hmm. and even more specifically younger African-Americans. Yes. If you were to categorize younger African-American vote, that's a Democratic vote in most cases, mm-hmm. right? How many people do you think that Miss Abrams has successfully, or her group, has successfully registered to vote since her defeat in 2018? I have not seen you this you got to throw a number at me. You just give me a guess. New people since New registered voters in the entire state of Georgia since then that her organization was responsible for. Five million. No, 800,000. I'll do like the <laughs> five million number, though. <laughs> I like what you did there. Uh, 800,000, which is a ridiculous yes. number of votes. So People um, that presumably had no intention of registering to vote. And now they're registered, and you would assume of those 800,000, the vast majority of them, now they have to show up to vote. That's yes. important. But if they show up to vote, they're, they're voting for Mr. Biden. Mm-hmm. So you've got a state. Or they can do absentee. Yes, and that's another. As can. Hold on, I'm not done with Georgia as can yet. I'm not done with the Georgia. The rest of the world in theory. Yes. So um, you would assume those votes would go towards uh, Mr. Biden. So you're talking about a state that, based on the 2018 gubernatorial election, was a coin toss anyway. It was, it was any man's game. Now you've just tipped the scales to the left mm-hmm. pretty handily. Well, in addition to that, so absentee voting has begun in Georgia and been turned in. The amount of absentee ballots that are turned in already in the state of Georgia 
equal more votes than Donald Trump received in the state of Georgia in 2016. And um, a lot of the absentee votes and a lot of the push for voter turnout and specifically voting absentee is from the left. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a Democratic push. Yeah. Um, the Republican narrative is very much, oh, go show up, you know, don't wear your mask, lick each other, you know, mm-hmm. whatever you're going to do. I don't know. They're trying right. to, you know, they're trying to paint it as a, a I don't know, a, a standpoint of we're opening the economy, we're opening up, whatever. Right. They're trying to tie all this together. I don't and quite know what they're show doing. show the world you're not afraid by going to your local public yeah, place kind which, of thing. which I am doing next Tuesday, so right. I'm, not, I'm not knocking it. I'm going myself. But um, it it's a pretty dire picture for Mr. Trump in Georgia. Um, he loses Georgia, I think he's done. Another part you've got there is uh, John Ossoff. He ran for Congress um, four years ago in a Republican district. He almost flipped this, the, that district. He was mm-hmm. one time too early. He actually barely lost. And then the next time, the Democrat did win that seat, but he missed it. Well, he's one running for the Senate seat. He's a pretty strong Senate candidate. He's about to probably unseat uh, that that Republican there. In, is it? In this is the normal because in Georgia, aren't they the one that's having the normal Senate yep. race and then and the then special. special election? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is the normal one. So um, anyway, so Florida and Georgia, uh, Florida, you could still call a toss up. The same kind of measures been going on in Florida. Andrew Gillum ran for governor. He lost to Ron DeSantis. Almost a, a mirror image of what happened in uh, in Georgia. It was really, really close. The the Trump guy kind of edged it out. Mm-hmm. Well, since Gillum left office, they've been registering young. Uh, they actually more focused on Latino and Hispanic voters in Florida. Because they were, they it's had Florida. A, well, it's Florida, and they had a big swatch of them just weren't registered to vote. Mm-hmm. So they've been focusing on them. So, again, you've got kind of a toss-up state where I think they've been registering a lot of voters on one side. There's been a real concerted effort to do it. So Florida very easily could flip flip to the left as well so then you get iowa which has really become um i think trump's where trump's losing in iowa is the actual senator in iowa is so unpopular now Mm -hmm. that she's going to lose her seat and take him down with her like Mm -hmm. that's really what it feels like um you know we hear a lot about iowa they're very important in our elections because they caucus first and we always talk about iowa and they're they're very deliberate voters Well, traditionally apparently that's a big question mark after this year there's going to be a lot of people trying to uh to change, I hope not. change I like Iowa's process. I like first. Uh, then you got Michigan, who went for Mr. Trump, which is Michigan's a part of the blue wall. Mr. Trump really just just hit a home run in 16 mm-hmm. by winning Michigan. He had no business winning Michigan, but he won Michigan. And I really like to think that it was more that Hillary lost Michigan. I started to say, <laughs> he won it. So what's the, what's the reverse of he yeah. hit the home run? Yeah. She probably she committed some form of uh, unforced yeah. error there. To put it in perspective, in uh, Mr. Biden's polling up uh, plus seven and a half mm-hmm. and some change at this point. Michigan doesn't really look like it's in play. It normally never is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Minnesota is a very similar one. Uh, that was another one where Hillary lost, I don't know, less than, than maybe Trump won, uh, but they're, they're seven points for Biden. Nevada's um, five and a half points for Biden. That's one that can, can flip mm-hmm. uh, both ways. He's within the margin of error, but it looks like he's he's in good shape there. North Carolina is another intriguing one. So North Carolina is one, that, following the Electoral College over the last uh, few years, is, is a state that I wish Alabama was more like. Like, they make themselves matter, but they're still a pretty conservative mm-hmm. southern state. I wish we could be one of those, but, you know, we're not. We choose to be irrelevant. Yeah. So in 2008, they voted for Obama. Uh, in 2012, they voted for Romney. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in 2016, they voted for Trump while simultaneously electing a Democrat for governor, Mm -hmm. which means people literally went into a ballot box. They voted for this Democrat option for for governor and Mr. Trump for president. Mm -hmm. That's the only way that could have happened. What's happening in North Carolina is that Democrat uh, governor is actually super popular, and Mm -hmm. they really like him. And he's actually, like, having, like, this down ballot effect on Biden where he's, like, he's going to win, and Mm -hmm. then he's going to bring Biden with him. And that's a Senate seat they may flip for the same reason. He's, like, bringing these other guys with him because he's popular. And I've I've kind of always argued in the governor's race. I don't know that party really has a lot to do with it. Uh, for me, mm-hmm. it's like, what are you going to do for our state? Right. And he he's one of those that that I think can do that. So Ohio, Mr. Trump's up one. Um, Ohio is is more red now. A lot of people are saying they're kind of just headed red. Um, mm-hmm. It looks like they may stay red for a minute. They've always been a flip flopper for mm-hmm. us for the last two decades. Right. I think that's Mr. Trump's. Um, and then in Pennsylvania, Biden's up uh, five and a half. Again, you're close to the margin of error. Um, but I, I tend to believe Mr. Biden's going to take that one. Um, and then in Texas, which why are we talking about Texas? Mm-hmm. Trump's up a point and a half, which is in the margin of error. I certainly think he's going to win Texas. 
But the fact uh, but that you're talking about it is a novel. I think Texas is more a story for what does it look like in 2024 and mm-hmm. what does it look like in, in 2028. We're seeing Texas kind of change. Well, I think you mentioned the Beto O'Rourke race mm-hmm. kind of started a lot of things. Eyes, yeah. So just because he didn't you know, get to the finish line does not yeah. mean that that did yeah. not have an overall cumulative effect on mm-hmm. what that state's going to do. So uh, the I think we're a cycle too early for Texas to matter, but pay attention to Texas moving mm-hmm. forward. They're a state that's going to, they're going to be purple and they're going to fall to the left at some point in a presidential election. So uh, another one's Wisconsin. They're up, uh, Biden's up five and a half there. And that was another one of those blue wall ones that Hillary just lost. Um, but it looks like he's, he's going to win it. So, um, Trump's actually made gains in most of those states mm-hmm. in the last week or two, um, but it still looks and like I don't they're, know, they're all Bidens to lose. The polls typically don't say, so it's all conjecture, but on what grounds um, has anybody said on what grounds he would be gaining in those states? I no, mean, I saw no real narrative that says why. I think you certainly, like, you look at the last debate, he actually kind of behaved like a president. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he spoke, I think that maybe got some moderates to be like, okay, let's keep, let's keep riding the train. Um, I think he got some of that. But outside of that, campaign-wise, they've not aimed at the middle. And mm-hmm. so I don't really know what they're doing to get the middle. But Or maybe Biden's losing the middle somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that, that certainly could be part of the story. So. Right. I'm curious, but uh, that's that's where we are. Um, it it does look at this point to be Biden's to lose, mm-hmm. um, but it certainly is. I and don't the posters say that his lead uh, seems to be more solid than Hillary Clinton's did four years ago. When one they of were the saying things, Hillary was leading in the polls. One of the things I've seen the big change in is just a month ago, um, Mr. Biden has a 99% chance of winning the popular vote. Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. Mm-hmm. Uh, he only had like a 50-something percent chance of winning the Electoral College. This was a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Well, as of a lot of predictors today, he's like up in the 90 percentile chance of winning the Electoral College mm-hmm. because the votes are landing in the states that matter and the places that matter right. to swing it. So he certainly has a more secured Electoral College lead. But, I mean, again, I've said it time Which and time again. Which at the again, end of the day is, is the only thing that matters it's for it. our Constitution. It's it. Yeah. Electoral College is weird, too. Yeah. It's what we got, so let's roll with it. But yeah, um, we're we're at the home stretch. I know that almost everyone, no matter what team you're on, is just we're tired, man. We're fatigued. Let's just get over it. Let's mm-hmm. let's get past it. And the bad thing is, and bold prediction, we ain't past it after election day. It's gonna be a while. We're gonna linger a little bit, count some votes. There may not be enough really for us to call some of these states that matter until all the absentees are counted, mm-hmm. which can take weeks. But then on top of that. I mean, Mr. Trump has made a career of suing folks and putting stuff in court. He's gonna he's gonna contest things. He's gonna put things in court, and um, he's already he's already claiming it's rigged. And he claimed the one that he won was rigged. You're gonna get this narrative on the backside. We're of gonna it, no look at what. the Bush Gore election as the good old days. <laughs> by the time this is all done, I missed the time it was only one state, yes. and we got the Supreme Court involved and got it. I missed that when you know Al Gore kept it going until the Supreme Court actually rolled and then he actually conceded and Mm -hmm. that was nice when he did that um (laughs) we'll see how that goes Uh, this year but yeah uh we're still working out what we're going to do on election night we won't have a normal episode for you on tuesday it'll either be a live episode or possibly a post breakdown on wednesday Mm -hmm. so which is better be looking for for us us uh later in the feed than you normally find us that's it Mm -hmm. um I leave, I wrote down this uh, this quote that came in on this weird editor and publisher email that I get, but it goes back to our Barack Obama quote. Mm-hmm. I thought you might appreciate it. Mm-hmm. He said, you wouldn't let your grandparents pick your playlist. Why would you let them pick your representative who's <laughs> going to determine your future? So that's a little encouragement for voting well, he touches for the on youngers and I from beat this former drum. President Obama. I beat this drum in my family, and if you're engaged and you've got people not in, in your family that are not engaged, Get their butts to the polls. Mm -hmm. I don't care if you're voting the same person as me. I don't care if you're voting different from me. But, I mean, how can you take for granted the right to vote? Mm -hmm. I mean, dear God, folks. You Mm -hmm. can complain about them when you vote for them. That's fine. But what is any of it if we're not voting? Well, I certainly don't because of a story that I've told before. Not that I was prone to anyway, but we went to the George W. Bush Museum Mm -hmm. and that, you know, display where you pick the card. I just so happened to pick the card where I was a female. (laughs) Um, You're welcome, and, you know, by the so way. Zach was yeah. like a poor, but he was like a 
he wasn't a landowner. Maybe he was like a small landowner or something. Mm-hmm. He was not a rich man, but anyway. So he couldn't vote in maybe the first couple of elections, but he could certainly vote by maybe the third box or something like that. You had to walk down this long line, and you couldn't put in your little ticket until the until first election. Yeah. So I had to pass like, I don't know, a dozen <laughs> of those boxes. And I kid you not, that physical act of having to pass box after box after box and hurt. knowing yeah. that he could vote in that election if we were living in that time. Yeah. And I kept looking for my box, and it was way down there at the end. Mm-hmm. That made a lifelong mm-hmm. impression on me. So, again, not that I was the type of person that necessarily skipped it anyway, but I wholeheartedly take to heart that that wasn't given to me. Mm-hmm. As we've said, I believe mm-hmm. in here before, mm-hmm. no one just woke up one day and said, you know what would make America great? If we gave women the right to vote. Mm-hmm. No man ever said that. Mm-hmm. None of them. No, I guess so, so people had to march and they had to do, you know, starvation protests mm-hmm. and they had to do all sorts of nasty things and be called all sorts of nasty things. So I could put my little ticket in the box in... I guess 1924, I guess we technically couldn't even vote in anything that happened in 1920. I'd have to see, was that an election year? But so potentially even 1924, the first time I could vote. Yeah, It's a big deal. Someone had to go through a lot of nonsense so that I could vote. So I choose not to forgo it for that reason. I can't really... um resonate with your plight there because mm-hmm. i guess i'm a i'm a landowner yeah white, you were back now. there in those beginning <laughs> boxes <laughs> but but i still hold an importance yes. to voting in my I family i forget what the entire exhibit well, it but was a traveling exhibit you know but I, I my wife and now i have two really daughters one, and i'm yeah. gonna paint that picture for them and i can certainly paint paint that moving forward and how important it is and how women had to literally fight for you to have the right to mm-hmm. do this and if you stay at home i will disown right. you yes i can do that mm-hmm so I um, guess I can kind of connect. Maybe at some point we'll do podcasts, but quick. Uh, so Katie Kirk is actually doing a podcast called Turnout, and she's going over some of the obstacles to voting and how we mm-hmm. got here and what people have had to overcome to get it and, and, you know, how it's a modern-day phenomenon. You know, voter suppression is not something that just happened before. Yep. So yep. good, uh, good podcast to listen to between now and then. We highly encourage you to go out and vote. Yeah, vote. And we'll be back. Uh Either on election night or yeah. post election night. Yeah, just be hanging out. We're still deciding. Thing. We're just going to pop up. You'll just see. Put us. the life on pause <laughs> and we'll come back. That's it. See you next week. See you guys.